Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, everybody. It is Drags Mike Petralia back with yet another summer episode or a late spring episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. I'm speaking today with old friend Jeff Butch Hobson of Bengals.com. Jeff, thanks for uh, taking time out and joining me. I want to discuss today uh, what your impressions have been of this of these OTAs and the spring practices because I think a lot of fans and I was reading your mailbag a lot of fans want to know if one Jesse Bates is going to get resigned and if not is Dax Hill going to be able to step up and I thought you had an interesting answer to one of those questions we'll get to that and two is there enough offensive line depth in case one of the uh, three free agents who were signed goes down what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah Trax, thanks for having me on, by the way. Thanks for having me on the roar. I think uh, that too much is made of OTAs, I think, as far as, you know, I don't know what – I don't think they know yet. I was talking to Brian Callahan about this, you know, basically said, don't don't talk to me until we put the pads on. Right. Even, even with the receivers, although you do get a pretty good idea with the receivers. You know, yeah, I think – uh, Hiley and uh, Lassiter, yeah, they're probably battling for, you know, you could say stuff like, yeah, they're probably going to battle for the last receiver spot. Um, but uh, I think that uh, the one thing you can tell from these, from the OTAs is, you know, they're, they're certainly faster. They come as advertised on that. And I was wondering why Burrow looked different. And then I was thinking about it. It's the first time we've seen Burrow in the spring, basically, except for maybe right. two, or, two or three snaps at the end of last spring. Uh, this is his first, you know, this is the first time he's been on the field in, uh, you know, in, in 2020 when he was a rookie, it was because of COVID in 2021, it was because of the knee. So yeah, it, it does look different, you know, and you could probably go back to, you know, it's the last time since, uh, maybe 2018 or 2017 that the offense looked so cohesive and knew what they were doing because that was the last you know in 2019 that was Zach's first year so Andy Dalton was learning a new offense and um and uh and then you know so you got to go all the way back five six seven years when you've got a crew that knows exactly what it's doing it has been in the same scheme and uh and it's had and it's got a spring to work on it that's what struck me was you know uh they're kind of just sticking in guys and they know exactly what to do and also, they're so fast on, uh, you know, they're on, they're clearly faster. And, um, but I think, you know, other than that, it's hard to, hard to put any stock in OTAs. I can't tell you if Dax Hills can give them what Jesse Bates could give them. You know, I don't think they can, you know, I don't think you'll, you, you, you know, you're not going to know that until you play the games. And, you know, he's a rookie. He's not going to be able to give you what a veteran battle tested Jesse Bates, who might have been their best defensive player in the postseason, is going to give you. That I know. I don't have to go to OTAs to say that, but where where Dax is, you know, you're not going to know until we play the three preseason games. I don't think at all that Jesse Bates is going to hold out. He's not going to pull a Le'Veon Bell. He, I think, for a couple of reasons. First of all, 
you know, $12.9 million is $12.9 million, even for one season. And secondly, I think he definitely knows that this team is on the verge of winning a Super Bowl. And if things break a little bit differently, they went out and addressed essentially their only glaring weakness uh, in the offensive line. He knows that he has a chance to be part of a Super Bowl winning team. Those chances, even for a lot of great players in the league, don't come around that often. And I think that is going to inspire Jesse to at least sign the franchise uh, tag by July 15th. I don't think a deal is going to get done. I'm not optimistic in a long-term deal. Maybe I'm wrong because I I don't have any inside information on what's taking place between Troy and Katie and David Mulligetta, Jesse Bates's uh, representative. I just don't think that a long-term deal is going to get done, but I do think he'll be there for training camp. What say you? Yeah, I, I'd pro- I'm probably in the same boat with you. I don't know, and I don't have, I, I don't think any of us have any inside information except the the principal players. But uh, if you just go on history, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, uh, they like him, and uh, how much they like him, I think they like him a lot. You know, I think uh, if you believe what you read about what they offered him or what you know what right. what they think he's worth. Um, but I do think this team is in a, uh, I agree with you, Travis. I think the team is in a thing where they're thinking, uh, they're just thinking about this year. I think the front office is in that boat too, that they're basically thinking about 2022. Now they've made a lot of decisions knowing what is coming up, which is the borrow deal. You know, that, that, <clears throat> that hangs over your salary cap, like a, like a harvest moon, you know, <laughs> and uh, not only is it borrow. <laughs> Not, not only is it Merle moving, it's Logan Wilson, it's T Higgins, it's, you know, those guys in that 2020 draft. And, you know, the, 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 the question quickly is going to transition here from Jesse Bates to can they keep both T Higgins and Jamal Chase? So there's always going to be something. There's the always going to be working in their issue. advantage, not to cut you off, Butch, but the thing working in the, their advantage with Jamar is the fallback of a fifth year rookie options and which right. they are clearly going to pick that up. And I think that gives them a little bit of wiggle room, which yeah. is. I'm assuming when they made that draft pick of Jamar Chase um, back in uh, 2021, and there was a lot of discussion about whether or not they should go offensive line and get Panay Sewell or go with Jamar Chase. Part of their thinking might've been, Hey, look, if we get, if Jamar Chase is the guy we think he can be putting him, uh, giving him first round stock value gives us more time on the back end to deal with Joe Burrow. Do you think they might've been looking that far down the road? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think, the, the fifth year option where I'm going yeah. though, with that. No, no, I think the fifth year option is a very real thing in their thinking. I think you're I think you're right about that. Um I but I think you made my point is very soon this thing's going to transition to that discussion after the Bates discussion because there's always going to be an issue, you know, with a with a star player from here on in now because of how they, you know, of what they've done, how they've taken off, how they performed, how these young guys have performed. So if it's not going to be Bates Next year, it's going to be, we're talking about T and Joe next year. And after that, it's going to be uh, Jamal because there's always, yeah, they get the fifth year option, but, you know, look at these guys. These guys want to come to the table early, you know, all around the league. It's, uh, you know, it's a different, it's a different league than it was even maybe, uh, maybe even three years ago. Well, and, and the fact that we're having this discussion, Butch, 
given the culture of the Bengals and you know it better than anybody else, given what the Bengals have battled through uh, over stretches of the last five to six, seven years. Um, the fact that we're having this discussion is a very good thing. It's not a bad correct. thing. Correct. And no, that's exactly right. Great teams have to have a lot more problems maintaining uh, or retaining their talent than teams that are constantly on the rebuild. And that's not where the Bengals find themselves. They are yeah. trying to build something long-term. And the fact that they have players that they know they can build around is a great thing. And the yeah. fact that they're already on the roster and they're not, um, you know, the, the single guy looking for that special date to bring to the prom um, and, and praying and hoping that she says, yes, the Bengals are not in that position anymore when it comes to talent on their roster. Hey, some guys never went to their prom like me. Mm. So, you know, just to be able to go to, just to be able to go to the dance. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, I think that's, and it's hard. It's hard to dance, man. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, you hit it right on the head. I mean, uh, uh, you've, you've lived it as long as I have, because you grew up here and you know, uh, any fan of the NFL knows how tough it is to sustain, to sustain a team, except maybe a kid who was born in 1995 in Boston. Maybe he doesn't know, but it's, it's a, uh, many of those actually, but go it, ahead. It, it, yeah. It's a tough, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's as, it's as big of a puzzle, maybe even more of a puzzle than if you're trying to rebuild a bad team, you know? So, uh, but I do think they, uh, uh, the one thing we know, I think, and you know, this from uh, growing up here, They'll they'll uh, they'll get the quarterback thing figured out first. Yes, and, and as I, they and, should. Yes, as you know, and I think they got that, and I think the rest will, I think the rest will fall into place. I think that, and I think that's as far as they've thought ahead. I think you know they're they. I really do think this is an all out year. You know, uh, not that, but but I think I think the Bengals most of the time do go from year to year, and they know that uh, they can you can catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, and I do think they've, for, mu for much of this century, they felt like they had a good enough quarterback to win and good enough people around to give it a run. You know, I mean, I don't think they really started to tear down this thing until, you know, maybe 2017, 2018, you know, and they, I think that's the mindset of the franchise. I think it's Mike's mindset is, you know, every year you got a shot, you know, most years you've got a shot. You know, now maybe in uh, after 2018, maybe they made a decision, but to, you know, to to, to try and uh, uh, rebuild with Zach, and uh, but they still they didn't know they were going to get Burrow. You know, so uh, no, I think they're all in on 2022. That's why I think you know Jesse will be back. I think he knows his team's got a shot, and I think uh, you know I think talking to Callahan, they've really they've broken down what they felt felt was missing offensively. And uh, I think they feel like with everybody back in place, except for CJ, that they got a shit that they really got a shot to be much improved offensively, which would really take them to the next stratosphere. Okay. And nobody's surprised that Jesse Bates hasn't attended the offseason practices, the OTAs. Nobody's surprised by that at all. And that's a, that one thing we should point out here. That's good business on Jesse Bates's part yeah. when he's either under franchise tag or uh, certainly has the possibility of signing a multi-year extension. There's no reason for a player like that to risk anything 
in yeah. uh, on-field practice. And um, I forget uh, Jeffrey um, Chimita of uh, the NFL Network uh, was making the same point about another player. Um, uh, name escapes me right now, but the same thing. There's no uh, personal offense taken by either by the team knowing right. that it's just business that the player stays away. Um, but what I want to bring up with you is another big storyline that has, well, first of all, let me, I'm getting way off the rails here. Um, any word with Trey Hendrickson, any reason Trey Hendrickson is not at these practices? Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, it has not, it has not, it, it really hasn't been a theme, has it, Mike? I mean, I think that shows you when most of the club shows up, I, you know, I, I, no, I like, I like Zach. It's just odd. To, it's a little odd to me. Like it's, he's, I don't know if he has had in the past with, with the saints, if he had uh, an agreement that I'm just going to work out on my own and I'm going to show up at training camp and I'll be ready to go. I, I just don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know either. I, I think these guys are, uh, you know, Zach pretty much outlined that there that first day was it's voluntary and uh, we understand. And, you know, uh, I think that, uh, that's worked for them. You know, uh, they had, they had pretty much, they got pretty much, I think, except for Trey and Jesse, I think they got pretty much everybody here. And last year they had, uh, I think they had everybody here. So I think that's a, uh, that, that, that reflects well on Zach again. I mean, yes. yeah. You know, I think that, uh, Very much. particularly, particularly after, you know, only having two months off and they had a great run. I mean, a lot of guys could have said, you know, we don't, you know, we obviously don't need this. We're good. At, you know, we're good enough. Uh, we've barely had any spring work the last couple of years anyway, you know, uh, let's not, let's not show, but I think Zach feels like the spring last spring was a big building block for what happened. That if he had to hit that, if they hadn't had the spring, they wouldn't have had December and January that they had. And so I think they're thinking the same thing now. And it's, they may be a couple of, uh, they may be a couple of pieces shy, but those guys are veterans and they know what they're doing. And so they, they get the core here. And like I say, the uh, the fact that Burrow is here, you know, for the first time on the field and being able to do things, you can tell there, you just kind of tell that this is, hey, this team's been around a little bit. You know, they know what they're doing. Uh, right. You know, they know the offense. They know they can, they know that they can be in a tie game in the last minute of an AFC divisional game or AFC, AFC title game or whatever. Uh, and it's, They've, you know, like, I'm, you know, my, you know, my question is, how do you put pressure on Evan McPherson? Do you say, uh, okay, you, you know, for the end of practice field goal, do you say, okay, this kicks the one that put us in the AFC championship game? Well, he's already done that. He's already done the real thing. So how do you, how do you put pressure on the guy? You know, so it's, uh, uh, but I do think the first building block, a good spring, I think they've already got that under their, uh, under their belt. All right, uh, you brought it up, and I, let's just transition right to him. Uh, Evan McPherson is not the question, but his colleagues on that special teams unit uh, are, and that is one of the uh, few competition battles. You've got Clark Harris and Kevin Huber, guys that have been with the club since, what, uh, 2009, I believe, 2009, right. 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, Clark Harris and Kevin Huber, and you have Cal Adamitis, and you have Drew Chrisman as, you know, the long snapper and, and holder team number two. Both got a chance on Tuesday. 
Uh, Clark Harris, as you would expect, three perfect snaps, um, and Evan McPherson drilled all three field goals. With Adam Adidas and, and Chrisman, uh, the first field goal was no good, but the last two were good. Uh, yeah. what, what are your impressions of that battle, and is it really uh, about Adam Adidas and Chrisman showing that they can do the job if and when the Bengals decide to make a move uh, on either Harris or Huber? Frags, I have to thank you for uh, also documenting that for me via video. And uh, Anytime. Since, I, since I missed it, I was I was watching the rotation, but I didn't see what the kick was. Uh, I just assumed McPherson would make it. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down. That's going to come down to holding. I don't think it's going to come down to punting uh, for uh, Christmas. Mm. It's uh, how can he how can he hold? I think that's what it, the big thing is going to come down to because McPherson is such a weapon. You got to make sure that you're. You know, you better make sure that your uh, uh, kicker's comfortable with whatever you do up there. You know, uh, I remember I go back to uh, 1999 when Doug Pelfrey was having a fine career as a Bengals kicker. And when long snapper Greg Truitt went down with an injury, uh, uh, he was a very accurate guy, very accurate kicker. When he went down with a, with a knee injury and they had and they were shuffling their putters, they didn't have a good putter. Pelfrey, Pelfrey went, I mean, it, and it wasn't his fault, but it was the operation was, you know, uh, you know, it looked like the mass pike uh, at five o'clock, Frags. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it was not good. And that could no. screw up your kick. And, and, and Doug never resurfaced again. And it was, you know, it can, if you don't have a good operation, that can. Really I actually hurt have you, wondered though. about that because Doug Pelfrey was an all time kicker for the Bengals. I mean, he, he gets lost because the teams were bad. But he was a terrific, terrific kicker for a long time. Yeah, yeah the operation sunk him. And uh, so I think uh, that that's going to be, to me, that's going to be the big question. Can, uh, can Chrisman and, 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 uh, and it's an interesting thing with Adam Itis because he's clearly the best player at his position from college. So if he doesn't beat out Clark, uh, you know, he's going to get plucked. He'll probably get plucked, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, he's going to be hired to hide on waivers. You can't hide anybody on waivers anymore, and it's going to be hard to hide that guy who has been a uh, you know who is a, who's like I said the top the top long snapper in the country. So that's going to be an interesting that's going to be an interesting competition, and that's that's uh, you know that 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 is you know Clark, you know it looks easy. I wrote about this last week. It, it yes, it looks you know it, I mean it looks easy, but uh, um, you've got to not only do you have to snap it accurately. With the right speed, and Adam might just, you know, admits he's still trying to learn that because he's firing it back there like uh, like a fireballer, you know, and he has to be more of a touch. So he's adjusting to that, and he's also adjusting to the protections to the to on a punt. I mean, he's seeing more he's seeing more things. And, and in college, he was in a system where he didn't have to block, you know, it was just snap and run. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play here. They're just not going to roll the kid out there because he's cheap. You know, oh. uh, that's that's not going to happen. So uh, it's going to. But if they don't keep him, do they do they threaten? Do they do they will? Could they lose? Him? So that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic. But obviously, wins and losses always always dwarf everything. You know, so if they think Clark is still the best guy at making McPherson feel comfortable, I would imagine he's the guy. But there's so much that goes into it. I think Adam Itis is a fine talent. So I mean, we have this discussion. Butch, because 
the Bengals won two playoff games on the road because of their oper- their kicking operation. And Evan McPherson had one of the great rookie years of any kicker in NFL history. He had a tremendous, tremendous year. And had the Bengals won that uh, Super Bowl on an extra, let's say, a game-tying um, field goal that made it 23-20 and then won the game in overtime on a field goal, let's just say, hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. Evan McPherson, and I thought about writing this, and I didn't, and I didn't get a chance, but I think Evan McPherson would have had the greatest year postseason of any kicker in NFL history, surpassing Adam Vinatieri. I, I really believe, and that is saying a lot since I covered the guy, and Vinatieri's two kicks in the divisional game in the snow and the blizzard uh, yeah. against the Raiders in January of 02, they were epic. But what you're talking about is a rookie kicker coming in and potentially in that scenario I laid out, converting what, 14 of 14 in the postseason? Right. That's unheard of. And he'll be the first to tell you, he'll be the first to tell you. One of the things was he had those two guys, Huber and Harris, where there's there isn't anything they hadn't seen, no situation they hadn't seen. And I, I just think, you know, it'll be interesting, it'll be fascinating for me to see how. Evan McPherson handles year number two in the NFL. Does he pick up where he left off? To me, there's a there is a lot of Vinatieri in McPherson, a, a lot, and I think that's a great thing for Bengals fans. Like what? Like what? Is, like you know, what are some of the similarities? You think? Um, I think there's a quiet intensity about him, yeah. and I think when the game's on the line, um, they're both they have a way of finding a relaxed spot in their in their mind like the the game's never too big for them ever and we saw that with the Tennessee game and the epic quote after the game I guess we're going to the AFC championship and that that when he said it at the time I'm like that's something Vinatieri would say that's absolutely something Vinatieri would say and laugh about it afterward Uh, but you've got to have it's kind of like a goalie in hockey when a hockey goalie gets hot in the Stanley Cup playoffs um, they are in a different, they're on a different planet and they get into that zone and nothing can phase them. Um, move on to Jackson Carmen, your thoughts of a, how he's looked physically and B reading into the fact that the Bengals have started him granted it's OTAs and off season practice as left guard on the first team. Oh, uh, it- offensive line. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening more to uh, rather than watching Jackson. I'm listening to Pollock because uh, I think Pollock has, uh, hmm. you know, uh, this is a guy that benched Jackson twice last year, and he's, you know, he's been very pleased about what he's seen this year. So I think that's significant. Uh, I think he appreciates the work that Common put in during the off season, who uh, clearly remade himself because he looks terrific. And I think. I don't know whether it's because he's a high pick or he's drafted in his hometown, but he didn't get the benefit of a doubt here, man. I mean, not many guys come out come out of the, this. I mean, he, he had back surgery. Uh, he played through it at Clemson. Uh, it, it, I think it hurt him as far as uh, staying in shape. Uh, and he'll admit that he didn't stay in shape, but, but not many guys do. When they do the circuit of uh, the combine, of, of uh, uh, pro days, visiting other teams you know it's a, it's it's hard to maintain it plus he had the back surgery so he came in heavy you know he changed positions he went from tackle to guard he changed sides he went from left to right 
I just don't think he got the benefit of a doubt on that uh, from, you know, from the pot that was granted. He didn't play like he should have, but I think there were reasons. And I think uh, we see now he's been here. He's his second year in the system. He's on the side. He's on that left side that I think he's more natural at. And, uh, and, he, and he looks like he's in great shape. And I think he's in, uh, you know, which is a big thing too. So, you know, I think there's things, uh, there's things going for him now that he didn't have going for him last year. Perception is, Butch, that his work ethic wasn't there, right or wrong. We don't get to see him in meetings. We don't get to see him, uh, for the most part, in practice after, you know, the media is ushered out of, uh, off the practice fields on outside Paul Brown Stadium. We don't get to see any of that. And the, the perception is he didn't do what he needed to do as a rookie to work hard um, to get all of the mechanics down that you're talking about that Frank Pollock would ask of him. Uh, do you think he's gotten that message that he needs to put forth a, a better effort in that regard? I mean, I'm not sure that he never got the message. Again, I go back to the back. I go back to him changing positions. I think he's, uh, you know, I think that, um, I think he figured it out. I, I, I think he probably figured it out quick that he, you know, that he's had to, bring a new approach to this thing. I think just mm -hmm. because of all the, just because of all the obstacles, you know, just because of the challenges that he was suddenly faced with, but, you know, I'm not sure there was, you know, they did, I mean, the guy had a great college career. They took him with the second round pick. I don't think, you know, I don't think work ethic was, you know, I don't think, uh, uh, like I said, I think he just had to learn it. I just think he had to learn that pro was different than college. And I don't think that meant the guy didn't have any work. ethic. I think he just had to figure out how to, what, how it gets done on the pro level. And I can, uh, I can relate going from college to the pros myself. It was, it was, it was a different profession, but it was different. Yes. And, and, and uh, covering the Syracuse yeah. Orangemen is different, Butch, than well, covering uh, the Boston Celtics. No question. Uh, the daily orange is a lot different than, uh, <laughs> you know, the Binghamton press or the Syracuse Herald journal or yes, even Bengals.com. Yes, it is. I'm going to wrap it up uh, now, Butch, and then uh, let you uh, get ready for the final OTAs, which happen next week outside uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Here's a quote I'm going to read to you from Zach Taylor that stuck out uh, after practice on Tuesday. They want to be perfect. These guys have a very high standard for themselves, and it's upsetting when something doesn't quite go their way and that's what you want to see as a coach that frustration and the fuel to get it right on the next rep I do believe that this Bengal team has a tremendous approach and I think they're focused and I think this striving for perfection I don't think that's just coach speak I think one of the things that has Zach Taylor and the coaching staff excited is that the motive these players are self-motivated you agree yeah, I, I do. I, I also, I think you picked that right out of your notebook, I think, which was I a, did. Uh, yeah, that well, was, was a good, that was a, that was a classic solid uh, uh, notebook off the day. I wish I had used some of that, but uh, that was a feel free a, anytime, Butch. That's right. You had a good notebook uh, kind of going over what the high points was of that. And that was one of the quotes that stuck out. And I think, uh, and not only shows, I think that's why I, I you know, uh, trying to think I was on with Solly and uh, Solomon Wolcott and uh, Bruce Gradkowski on their mm -hmm. show on the uh, on NFL radio on Sirius. And they, they, their topic was Zach Taylor is uh, underestimated. And I agree uh, uh, because I think, A, 
you, you know, just because he got an overall number one quarterback doesn't mean he's going to do what Joe has done, which is basically rewrite the team record book and take him where they've never gone before. Uh, and as for, by winning playoff games on the road, I mean, I don't think that's by accident that Zach Taylor was the coach. I think, you know, there's a lot of guys that got the overall number one quarterback and didn't produce with them. So, hey, I think he's underestimated there. But the other thing, too, is he's he's brought the right players in that he wants, the guys who do get frustrated when things go on. I think he's done a good job teaming with the personnel department to find that kind of kid in college. And I think you asked it on Tuesday, too. The captains, the guys that come out, the guys that they draft are – they're they're always they're perennially looking at guys who are captains, you know. I think Adam Itis even the long snapper was you know was a captain of Pitt, mm-hmm. which I think is important to them. But not only that, they they found these guys in free agency. You know, it's easy to sign a free agent and, and give them a lot of money, and uh, uh, but they get but that you know that one of the reasons free agency doesn't work a lot of times is you're bringing you're bringing in a. Uh, a, a round ball to fit in a square peg, you know? Yeah. He fits you on paper. He fits you, but in the locker room, he doesn't fit you, you know, and he doesn't help you in, with the intangibles, but every guy they've signed in free agency has been a, from Von Bell to, to DJ reader to Mike Hilton. I, I uh, love Mike Hilton's to, impact you know, on that locker he's room. Unbelievable. To Collins. Collins is a, is, is a, is an unbelievable from what I hear, an unbelievable practice player. I mean, he play he practices like he plays in games. He's violent, they say. And and to find these guys, so it's easy to sign and give a free agent a lot of money, but to have him come in to be the guy, the guy that you want, I think that's a lot of teamwork between the personnel department and uh and the coaching staff. And I tip my hat to Zach on that. Okay, we're gonna wrap up. I want to show you something. See that's this? Fabulous. That is tremendous. That is great. Oh, wow, that is that is fabulous. In that honor of a in in honor of a team, Boston team that's about to win its 18th world championship. Uh, and yes, I do not think Golden State is coming back in this series. I think they're cooked. I I worry, you know, cuz I, I I worry cuz I was probably cuz I was raised uh with the fatalist uh, New England sure. uh, yes. uh, ethic uh they just don't take care of the ball. I love Jason Tatum. Agreed. But, you, know, you know, he just, he, he, but, but point, he just, Butch. you know, he's, he's, uh, they worry me uh, with that because, you know, uh, uh, Clay Thompson and Curry, one of these days, you know, I just hope they don't get into it. One of those two or three game shooting streaks. Yeah. But, but even if they get into that, I don't see golden state as a mentally tough team to, they don't think they rebound very particularly well. And I don't think they yeah. defend very well. And um, I, to your point, the Celtics almost lost the Miami game, game seven, because they didn't take care of the ball yeah, at no. the very end. I, and I agree that is a distinct concern, but I think they are mentally, what makes up for it is they are a much mentally tougher team than Golden State. Well, they, you know, I was, uh, I didn't start watching this thing until game seven of the Bucks, you know, because I've kind of had my, uh, uh, my run in way, my, you know, by the NBA, I've kind of, have been watching that lately. And uh, I was shocked that the Celtics got as far as they did without a pure point guard. Yep. And, uh, and the Warriors got there without uh, really a, a true big. I mean, I guess Wiggins is, but he's off and on, you know, but you got these two teams that seem to me to be missing, you know, some pretty big pieces. 
but they got but they got as far as they did probably with uh, what you're talking about coaching and, and uh, that uh, one a of lot my, of resiliency. One of my favorite players that I've covered in my days in Boston, Marcus Smart. He is yeah. what you see in Marcus Smart is exactly what he is on and off the court. He is really he really is a great guy to cover. I've got to wrap it up. Um, you've been great, Butch. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful summer. We're going to talk on the other side, meaning yep. uh, when training camp starts in late July. And uh, we got about 30 seconds here. You got any um, big plans for the summer? Nah, Trags, I, I just covered uh, getting back ready for your show. I could talk to you for I could talk to you forever about <laughs> Boston nice. and everything else. But uh, hey, just try to recharge, man. Just uh, just try to try to recharge because it's uh, it was a short. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get back to, but yeah, I am going to get try to get back to Boston. Ted Williams Camp Baseball Reunion, Lakeville, Massachusetts, in July. So I'll tip my hat. To, I'll tip my Trags hat to the to the home crowd there when I go there. He is Butch Hobson. He does an amazing job. Jeff Hobson covering the Cincinnati Bengals for Bengals.com. Be sure to check out all of his material, including his um, Hobson's Choice mailbag, which is a must read every week on Bengals.com. He's Butch Hobson. I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching.